0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Multiply Podcast. Today we're discussing five mistakes leaders make when delegating. Check it out. Welcome to The Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. We're so glad you guys are back with us for another episode. Today we're going to be talking about the five mistakes leaders make when delegating. And uh, Dave, how you doing, man, before we jump in? Well, I'm doing
1: well. We are enjoying the beginnings of summer here in upstate New York, Mm. and we get about two and a half weeks of beautiful weather, and I know that you uh, recently moved into a home that has a pool in the backyard, maybe one of the most foolish investments that could be made in upstate New York. Seems like a
0: wise steward of my finances, (laughs) you know?
1: Yep. You better be in there 24-7 for the next two and a half weeks.
0: Oh, trust me. This is my wife's dream to have a pool, and so I'm uh, making a rule. They have to be in there. As much as literally possible. Nice. Yeah.
1: One of the things about living in upstate New York is it goes from winter to summer. Like, you, it just like immediately flips. Like, we don't even know what spring is. It doesn't exist here. So, one week we're complaining about how cold and snowy it is. And literally the next week, we're all like, man, it's so hot, humid, and nasty out. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's been great. Um, I'm new to the area and loving it. And it's been a fun summer. Looking forward to the rest of it as it goes by super fast. Uh, hey, if you're listening, we hope you're having a great summer as well, and hopefully you're enjoying the podcast so far. Uh, why don't we dive into it? I want to talk a little bit about uh, five kind of big mistakes that leaders make when delegating to, uh, to leaders. And uh, this is a, a big issue that both um, you and I, Dave, have kind of struggle with ourselves and work through ourselves and hopefully learned a few things but maybe still struggle with at some points and so we thought it'd be valuable to talk a little bit about it share with it uh, with you and maybe you'll resonate with one or multiple or maybe all five Uh, so Dave I'll hand off to you once you lay out what's the first mistake leaders make when delegating
1: yeah I think like this is a real this has been an ongoing challenge for me I'm a little bit of a micromanager I like to have my hands on What's happening within the organization or the team or the ministry or the church that I'm serving, and uh, but I'm I've learned over time that in order to create um, sustainable success and in order to build leaders, delegation is a non-negotiable. And really, for our own sanity and for our own personal health, we have to be able to hand things off. So, one of the mistakes that um, I see leaders make and that I've personally made over the years is delegating based on my need uh, and not on the strength of the people on my not based on the strength of the people on my team. And this really starts with how well do you know your team members, knowing and considering things like what's their personality, what's their leadership style, how do they like to be talked to, what are their gifts and talents and, and their spiritual gifts. Um, and then knowing those things sets them up to succeed. Um, so I think we have a tendency, there's kind of a long-running long joke that leaders delegate the things they hate to do. And there's some validity and even sanity, I think, to doing that. But ultimately, if it's just about getting stuff off our plate as opposed to getting the right uh, tasks, responsibility, and authority to the right people, it actually can become miserable for everybody on the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really true. And, and I mean, to take a step back, too, it's kind of the philosophy of leadership, which is my job is not just to get things done, right, but my job is to develop the people around me. Um, and there's so much connection between – between um, leadership and discipleship and i think this is a big area where that happens is when we look at the leaders that are uh, serving underneath us do we look at them as just somebody to get something done that we don't want to do because here's what happens is they feel that, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. people aren't stupid. They understand when you're just using them as, like, this gopher intern who's like, oh, go do this, go do that, go do that, versus when they know and feel that I actually care about you. Like, my goal is to see you step into all that God has for you. Yeah. And therefore, I'll actually sacrifice um, and do some things maybe I don't want to do or take some time that I don't want to take because ultimately I want to see you succeed. I want to see you thrive in the area Um, that you thrive in and I think you reference this is actually when we do that short term maybe it's a little more work but long term the fruit is way more because you have some phenomenal leaders around you that are now repeating that process with leaders that are underneath them
1: yeah and I've learned over the years that sometimes I hold on to things too long that I hate doing because I assume everybody else hates doing them too it's just very obviously like myopic, selfish way of, of leading where I just assume everybody's wired like me. And if I hate it, then everybody's going to hate it. So I'll just bite the bullet and keep doing it. And what I've learned, I mean, when I was a youth pastor, one of the things I hate doing is being on the phone. Um, you know, I'm, I'll text all day long, but I'm not much for talking on the phone. And I definitely don't like hassling on the phone. You
0: got a real fear of intimacy, I feel like, <laughs> like deep down. You know? I
1: have a fear of being stuck on the phone with people <laughs> who I can't get off with, Um but I uh, one of the things in youth ministry is we would need uh, to call companies and businesses in the area sometimes for don- donations, or when we were going on missions trips looking for um, supplies, uh, or even just booking flights and booking hotel rooms. And of course now we do that all online. But when I was a youth pastor, I would spend a lot of time on the phone doing it. And there was a single mom um, in our church who just once I was one time I was talking about it, and she just. Said I'll I'll help out with that. She loved it. Like you know, as a single mom, she kind of been fighting her whole life for her boys, and so she kind of had this um, negotiator approach to every conversation, which really helped us a lot. And I would just say, here's what we need, and I didn't have to think about it again. She got a lot of energy out of it. It took a, it took something that I hated doing off my plate. It was it was a huge win for the team. And so, uh, of course, this is all built on the premise of you actually have to take the time to get to know. Yeah. the people on your team. So when you think of different skill sets, Jared, of different types of leaders, um, what are some of the different uh, sort of either ors you think of where people tend to be good either at this or a little better at, at this? Um, and how does knowing the difference between those two help you assign out and delegate tasks and responsibilities?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not always so cut and dry, right? There's tends mm-hmm. to be a spectrum. But one of the big ones that I would uh, come across as people that tend to be more thinkers versus those that tend to be more feelers and, um, and then people that tend to be more relational versus those who tend to be more organized, administrative, task oriented, right? Yeah. And, um, all of them are gifted at different things. And every, every now and then you come across somebody who's like, they're great at everything and you just, you're like, dude, I need to ride, ride your coattails as far as I can. Right. And just, I'm blushing, have you take over. No, it wasn't, I wasn't talking about David, um, (laughs) But, yeah, so I think those are some of the things. And honestly, like, in my experience doing ministry and young adult ministry, we had leaders that were under me that were way better. Like, the guy who took over for me in youth ministry, he was way better than me with students, like, relationally just interacting with them. And my gifting was developing leaders and pouring into the adult team. And we had a big youth ministry. And I saw him connect with students in a way that I never could based on his makeup and his personality. And so being able to assess that is huge and
1: celebrate that the security as a leader to not feel threatened by the fact that other people on your team not only are they not only are they going to be better than you at certain things they they need to be better than you at right. certain things because none of us is good at everything so you got to delegate not based on what you need necessarily uh, but based on the strength of your team members the second mistake that i see made a lot is this assigning of assigning tasks to people without giving them the responsibility and the authority that goes with the task. Yeah. So sometimes we might say, "Here's something we want you to do," and but we don't also say to them, "By the way, you're ultimately responsible for the outcome of this. You're also responsible for how." You get from here to there, and you have the authority to make decisions midstream to change things, uh, to create solutions, to even challenge the existing process in order to get to the solution. Um, And when we forget to give them not just the task, but also the responsibility and the authority, we create mindless followers, but not engaged leaders.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting, too, I've noticed this, is um, that only works with low capacity leaders what do you mean just giving them tasks right yeah because high capacity leaders they they eventually will not have time for it you know they want to know that what they're doing actually has weight and authority and what ends up happening is um they will quickly learn that the reality is it doesn't really matter what they think or what they decide or what they choose because at the end of the day you're going to either just make the decision which may align with what they decided, or you'll reverse their decision and make your own decision. They just have to do what you want. So basically, it strips up of any sort of weight or power of authority. And um, I think for high-capacity leaders, it just it just never works.
1: Yeah, and I think it also it can actually end up creating more work for you in the end because they keep coming back to you every step of the way to get your authority to do things that they should have the authority to do. And so um, I think letting people know here's what needs to get done, here's what the outcome should look like, I trust you to figure out how to get from here to there. And it may be different than I would do it, and that's okay. You know, we can debrief later and talk about the process, but as long as the task gets done, then um, you make the decisions as to how to accomplish that.
0: Now, it's probably important to mention, like, when you're doing this, you have to go in understanding mistakes will be made.
1: Yeah, and that's actually the third mistake that people make when they delegate is they quickly uh, get frustrated with lower quality. It It's actually very likely that when you hand something off, especially something that you're good at, there's going to be a drop off in quality, at least initially. Yeah. And um you know, a lot of us value excellence and we want things to be done well and we feel like the experiences that people have in our churches, our ministries, on our teams and organizations or businesses reflect upon us as a leader. And they certainly do, but sometimes we pit excellence against um, delegation and we think we have to choose one or the other. Either we do things with excellence and we keep it all on our plate or we delegate things and things suffer. And while that may be true in the short term, If we're trying to create a culture of excellence and excellence that can be sustained over the long run then we have no choice but to delegate and accept the fact that at least initially it may be 70 percent of what i could have done myself or certainly of what's in my head when i hand off that task
0: yeah i mean doesn't this also take into account like there's got to be some leadership humility that we all have where we assume so part of this is like someone's coming and going, hey, I think we should do this, right? And you've given them authority, and all of a sudden in your mind you're going, oh, man, that's the wrong choice. Like yeah. you shouldn't do that, right? And and so the quick, the, the easy, quick temptation is to go, no, 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 we can't do that. Even though I have told you you have authority, and I've given you authority, and I've said I trust you, now that I hear what you want to do, no, we can't do that. But what one of the things I've learned is if we're willing to go, all right, I'm going to trust you on this. Oftentimes what I've found, and maybe it's just me, I was actually wrong. Like they actually knew some things and had some intuition that I didn't know or I wasn't aware of. And oftentimes like if I'm working with younger people and I'm trusting someone who's younger than me, I'll just find out, I'm like, oh, they actually knew something about youth or young adults or this culture that I wasn't aware of. And they ended up being right. So it actually ended up benefiting me. And what it said to them is, even though i disagree with you and i would make a different decision i so trust you right now that i'm gonna submit what i think and to to someone who is looking up to you as a leader i mean you want to talk about like an uplifting endorsement and an encouragement into your life I, i can't think of anything that just encourages someone who's trying to be a leader more than that
1: yeah that's so good man i think um You know, people always talk about you got to define the win, you have to define the win. What's the target? Because that ultimately your metrics determine how you behave, how you act and how you feel about what's happening. And if the number one win is everything being done the way we envision it being done, we're going to stunt the growth of the organization. But if the number one win is developing other leaders, then delegation, even when it results in lower quality work, it's a win. It's not a loss. Yeah. And so I think having that sort of relentless determination to say we're gonna measure wins based on the leaders we're developing around us versus even at times the quality of what we're producing. Um, within within certain boundaries, yeah. of course. So that's
0: my follow up question. How do you how do you as a leader decide when that's appropriate? Because obviously you're not gonna take a yeah. A high school graduate and put him up on a Sunday morning to preach when he's never preached before for the sake of developing him, right? So
1: yeah, well, um, actually, I think that connects well with another one of the mistakes. So let me go to that one. I think I think the fourth mistake people make when they delegate is um, checking in and following up only when things are going badly. You know, only things only when things are off the rails and. I think it's important. I've learned this I've learned so this is something about me, and if you're listening, maybe you're like this, maybe you're not. I'm a little more hands-on controlling. Jared, I've watched you lead. you're a little more laid back and yes yeah, I yeah just, whatever
0: I like to I like to think of myself as a friend first, a boss second, and pretty much an entertainer third.
1: I like people to be afraid of how much they love me. <laughs> Hashtag Michael those Scott. are
0: some great words from Michael Scott.
1: Um, my tenant here's what I know about myself. If I give somebody a task and the responsibility and authority to do something that I actually really care about, I'm not going to be able to help myself from checking in along the way and following up. And I know I'm going to do it. Now, when you do it without letting them know up front you're going to do it, it always feels kind of like um, it can feel corrective. It can feel um, uh, reactive. Um, Since I know I'm going to do it, here's what I've learned to do with delegation. I tell them ahead of time, hey, I'm gonna check in with you, a couple times between now and when this needs to be done. I'll probably check in. So let's say the event is. Let's say it's something for an event that's two months away. Yeah. I'll say, hey, in a, just so you know, in a month, I'm gonna check in, see if I can help, see if you've run up against anything, um, and just kind of two weeks out, I'll check in, and the week of, I'll probably, I may check a couple times, just quick hitting. How's everything going? Are we good? Sure. And then after the event, let's sit down a week later or two weeks later and talk about what you learned and how everything went so now it's 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 letting them know in advance and it makes your checking in and your following up seem less about controlling them and critiquing them and more that it's part of an intentional leadership development plan
0: yeah well i've seen you do this um and i this is something i wish i was better at or or this was more of who i am but i do think you're right when you do it the way you described it actually speaks to people that you value this thing so much whatever it is so if it's an event right i really value this being quality which actually when you're then asking them to be a part of it you're saying i value you and trust you to be a part of this thing which i think is so important enough that i'm going to check in with you multiple times right yeah so i think it does two things to them it re- encourages them on two fronts and ultimately does help them be a better leader sure
1: and it, and it lets them know that um they're Although they have the freedom to make decisions, there are some expectations. And uh, the last mistake I think that leaders make when they delegate is they just, they save the day too quickly. So as soon as they see things, we've kind of been dancing around this for the last five minutes, but we tend to rush in with our wisdom and expertise to save the day. But what happens is you end up developing leaders who are always looking over their shoulder, like waiting for you either to critique them or to bow them out and i think uh i think we all would agree that leaders um learn grow develop from failure really more than they do from success yeah so we have to sit back sometimes and and almost let them struggle and let them learn however and this kind of goes back to your your original question a few minutes ago, I think, we do have to create some safe parameters so that the failure isn't overly destructive. Yeah. Um, And I think one of the things that creates parameters around tasks, authorities, and responsibilities when you delegate is a clear culture and values within that culture. When you say, here's the things that we value, those values end up becoming the parameters on any assignment so that when they say, well, I thought this, I thought that, you can always remind them, hey, don't forget, we value serving right so when you you know did this in a way that wasn't generous uh, towards the people on the team that was out of step with who we are and so the parameters are less about here's what it needs to look like here's what needs to be done. Although like let's say you're having them create a video, you gotta give them some parameters, right? Sure. It needs to be this, it can't be longer than this, it needs to be this sort of quality, and here's the here's the number one message that needs to come across and you need to put some music behind it. Now that's fine, that's just here's here's some basic framework for the assignment I'm giving you. But but what you're not doing is giving them the music yeah. and giving them a script. You're letting them um, run with it and then you stay back, you intentionally hold yourself back so that you don't save the day too quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And two two thoughts that I have, and they're kind of like measurements that I like to use when I'm making these decisions of do I step in, do I not, do I let this thing ride out. Is first I have to discern if they're if they're doing something that I would say oh, they're kind of messing up on this. I discern what is this my fault? Are they messing up because of lack of clarity from me? Like I didn't give them enough yeah. direction. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I'll, I'll be pretty quick to step in because it's not their fault; it's mine. And so I want to give them a little more clarity. Oh, hey, I forgot to tell you—like, you, you know, you've got to after the second song, then go up, or whatever the situation is, right? It's but it's actually my fault. They're not doing anything wrong. So if it's that case, I'm quicker to step in because ultimately I don't want to set. I, I'm setting them up to the fail. Sure. And so I'm not rescuing them from themselves. I'm rescuing them from me.
1: Yeah, and you communicate that that this was. A- that this is my issue, not necessarily. Right,
0: your, yeah. I'm so sorry, I forgot to tell you this right. is, right. But if it's not, if I've been clear, and it's their issue, then usually the way I like to discern, do I step in or do I not, is I weigh out, is if they mess this up, is the negative consequences going to be bigger than the positive impact of me empowering them and trusting them? Oh, that's good. That's you good. know, and and obviously that's not a, a, a science. You've got to kind of weigh that out in your mind. But, okay, I'm, they're going to go do announcements. If they totally botch this, right, and it's a disaster, is the negative consequences of that or potentially in my mind worse than what it means to that person that I allowed them to go up there and I said that I believed in them and then I coach them afterwards? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you've got to weigh that out. And so if I feel like now it's too big of a risk, like there's too much at stake here, then I, then I won't. Or I'll step in quick and I'll, and I'll bring help. But if it's not, then I'll let it ride. And sometimes it's not a disaster. Sometimes they do great, you know, and sometimes it is a disaster and it's a, <laughs> it's a leading moment.
1: I think having clarity around the different, um, let's just speak specifically to the example you gave, uh, stage, you know, stage opportunities. Having clarity is to sort of like the value, the impact, the risk of different assignments. So the person who takes the, makes the announcements, um, maybe that's a lower level risk, right? And then maybe you think, well, but the person who welcomes everybody, that's actually kind of, that's a little bit higher. We want that to really have this energy and hit these specific uh, language uh, points. Uh, And then maybe above that is the person who goes up to transition from singing to the message. And then ultimately, probably the people who are either leading the singing or sharing the message. And so you have this clarity as far as risk, uh, the risk level of them. And so you have a young leader who needs to develop some experience on stage in front of people because maybe you do see a teaching gift in them but instead of just throwing them into the highest risk level of saying you're teaching next Wednesday night we give them the announcements and let them kind of get comfortable in front of a room and then we move them to you're going to welcome everybody and then you're going to transition people and I think that sort of process that provides ongoing coaching and really a progression of uh, responsibility uh, is is going to set them up well to succeed as a teacher as opposed to what we tend to do sometimes is identify somebody who has a gift and go, well, if you have a specific gift, let's plug you exactly where your gift fits yeah. as opposed to realizing there's other environments where they can develop the skill set required to actually exercise that gift in a way that's uh, engaging and helpful.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, we're coming to a close here, but maybe it'd be helpful, Dave, if you just went over those five again. Uh, set each one and then gave maybe a little quick recap so
1: yeah so number one mistake we delegate based on our need and not the strength of our team members we need to know our team members and give them um, delegate to them based on what they're good at number two we assign tasks without also providing the responsibility and the authority uh, the right to make decisions and solve problems um, number three, getting frustrated with lower quality and holding on to things, thinking that we can do it better than others. That may be true, but that's not going to help you develop leaders. The fourth one was checking in and following up only when things are bad. We need to proactively communicate our check-in points and our debrief intent. And then the last one is the, the saving the day too quickly, jumping in too fast and not letting people learn from their struggle. And you know, one final piece of advice when it comes to delegation is always, always, always take the time to explain the why behind the what. So here's what I'm asking you to do, but cast vision when you're asking people to do something. Because we value this, because we believe that making disciples matters, because we're trying to see gospel transformation in hearts of teenagers or hearts in homes in our neighborhoods around our church, that's that's the why. Here's the what. Um, and that helps us to keep the vision out in front of people when we delegate.
0: Yeah always always shaping culture right yeah all right well we're gonna close a little little segment we'd like to do called David's eats and so uh, I can I can assure you as I stare at David he's been eating plenty this week easy <laughs> oh sorry um, but uh, so we want to hear what's the best thing you've eaten this week Dave
1: well there is a um, there's a little Vietnamese sandwich shop down in the city of Syracuse I can't even pronounce the name of it kai Dien or Duen or... That sounded
0: Yeah, I think I was right on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and all they make is these Vietnamese sandwiches called Bun Mies. And uh, it's probably my favorite sandwich. It's, it's, um, it's going to sound a little odd, especially if you're not into Asian cuisines. But um, it's usually... It can be different types of proteins, but very often it's like a pork. And then there's also like a slab of like a Vietnamese pork product. Almost think like a hot dog thinly sliced...
0: Like a spam. Yeah,
1: kind of. <laughs> and then there's usually some sort of a pate on the bread. And then they add in um, sometimes there's jalapenos, something for spice, um, cilantro, pickled cucumbers, and carrots that have been sliced really thin. Um, and the traditional banh mi is made like on a french baguette sort of this fusion of course of of french food and the vietnamese food but the place i go they actually use these little italian loaves so it's got a little crunch to it and um, man it's my favorite sandwich so wherever you live uh, google for and find a banh mi near yourself Mm -hmm. go try it Uh, you will love it and if you don't love it then you have the palate over two year old.
0: <laughs> uh, you've said nothing truer than that statement all day long. Hey guys, thanks so much. This is the Multiplied Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. We'll see you guys next time.